Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, an African-American mother from Stone County speaks out about an incident where a noose was put around her son's neck at school. Then, a possible plan to revamp how public schools are funded gets a closer look. This is a complete distraction. Simply put, the school districts in the state of Mississippi do not have the money they need with which to educate children. There's a law on the books that requires the legislature to fund the existing formula. The legislative leadership has made a political decision not to fund the existing formula. And agriculture is the number one industry in Mississippi. What does its future look like? That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stacy Payton of Wigan says two weeks ago, some boys at Stone County High School put a noose around her 15-year-old son's neck and choked him. Payton says the school will not provide information about the incident or the students involved. She wants the students expelled. The Stone County Sheriff's Office is investigating the case and says investigators have contacted the FBI. Payton spoke with MPB's Desiree Frazier. She says she first heard about the incident directly from her son. That day, um, I was scheduled in um, meetings. And what I'm explaining is how I learned um, that my son had been horribly assaulted by his uh, classmates. I had been in um, meetings that afternoon, and it was the day that we had arranged for my son to take the bus to where I work. The bus drops him off across the street. And so we've been doing that now for quite some time. And when I come in from my meetings, you know, I always find my my son in the same place, either in my classroom or behind my desk. So about 3.45, which is the time when he um, would have been here maybe 15, 20 minutes, I come in, and he's not behind my desk. It is unusual for him to be standing in front of my desk. And even before we exchange our typical, you know, hello, how was your day, what happened, you know, that was exciting at school today, that, that's our initial conversation. The first thing that my son says as he's standing in front of my desk, he says, Mom, 
don't panic. Please don't call the school. It's been handled. I don't want you to um I don't want you to get upset. Just please don't panic. And the expression on his face was was one of horror. He was afraid. And at that point, you know, I just assumed, well, it has to be bad. Maybe he got in trouble with a teacher for talking in class or maybe he got a bad grade on a test. So I just came around my desk and I sat down and I told him, just just lay it on me. Tell me what happened. And he told me. And I just sat back in my chair. I looked around my office. I was just in complete shock. I didn't know what to do. So at that point, I called my husband immediately. My husband, you know, asked him a lot of questions. And I can't really tell you just what my husband asked him because I was still in a state of shock. Well, what did your son say happened, basically, in a nutshell? He said that some boys had um, put a noose around his neck and pulled it tight and choked him, pulled him backwards with it. And uh, I was horrified by that, terrified. Did he say how many were involved or why they did it? Or I'm going to be honest. My, my son was, I can feel the fear in him. And to this day, I believe my, my son hasn't been completely forthcoming with everything that has happened in that locker space because he is afraid. But he says that uh, a noose was placed about his neck and it was yanked and it pulled him backwards and it choked him. Um, I have asked him questions, um, but, you know, they're they're very, very succinct. You know, he, I, I really don't feel comfortable getting into the details of that part because I do want to get through this interview, you know, as rationally as I can, you know, I, because I want this, you know, to go out there in the public of what we have experienced as a family. Um, the reason I ask you that question is because the reports are that one or more and one student has been disciplined? That is correct. Um, initially, um, I was told from parents and students and as well as my son that it was four who were named. What reaction are you getting from the community? An overwhelming outpouring of support from people I know to people I don't know, from my students, um, from my former students, even, I mean, especially strangers. If I, like this morning, I went into the gas station to get my usual cup of coffee and, you know, people are either patting me on my shoulder or, you know, passing by me, smiling with that knowing look on their face. They know who I am. And, you know, I've had people to come up to me and, and shake my head and say, shake my hand and say, thank you. Um, we needed this. We needed someone, you know, who's courageous enough to stand up and speak out. So it's been, it's been overwhelming, especially at the press conference. I, I really didn't expect, you know, because it was all planned in a matter of just a couple of days. 
I didn't expect that many from the community to come. Have you seen uh, people of different races standing behind you? It's been very few. I, I, where I work, for the most part, I have very good support, especially from my department chair. But then I have some people, and I understand this because it's an uncomfortable, you know, for whites, it's uncomfortable subject. For the most part, very supportive, but then there are some who go about having their everyday conversation with me as if nothing is happening, that nothing is going on. But this morning, I've gotten a few emails from some coworkers that they are supporting me and behind me. So, you know, it's I'm going to focus on that. You know, the 90% who are clearly backing me. Are you afraid at all for your family, for your son? I thought about that last night, and yes, I am. People are telling me, you know, God has your has you surrounded. You're you're going to be pr- protected. Nothing is going to happen to you. But in reality, things do happen. And I thought about this that when all of this is resolved, and, and I'm confident it will be that we'll reach a resolution. That it may not happen immediately, but I worry. What if something happens in a year or two years? I am afraid. I am afraid of retaliation. MPB's Desiree Fraser with Stacy Payton of Wiggins. Some students at Stone County High School allegedly placed a noose around her 15-year-old son's neck at school. Up next, a possible plan to revamp how public schools are funded gets a closer look. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Robin Young. Like an armadillo covered with steel plates. That's the way Brian Denton described the ISIS car bomb that lumbered toward the Iraqi troops he was with this week near Mosul. There was no time to get away. The car exploded, wounding Denton and some of the Iraqis. We'll speak with him next time, here and now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. Listening to Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Legislators are getting a sneak peek at some ideas that could lead to a new education funding formula for the state, and not all are pleased with the possibility. A New Jersey company called Ed Build was hired to take a look at the Mississippi Adequate Education Program, known as MAEP. Ed Build CEO Rebecca Siblia says her organization will recommend a completely student-based education funding model for Mississippi. The education nonprofit has been hired to make funding recommendations to the state legislature. Siblia says the current funding model doesn't work. She made her comments at a joint meeting of the House and Senate Education Committees. We've been asked to provide preliminary recommendations by the end of this calendar year. We do anticipate continuing to be involved in a process as the legislative process unfolds over the course of next year. So we do hope that the legislature will consider what's really important to them, and we will be able to continue to update um, recommendations related to that process. Right now, um, students, uh, gifted students, students that are enrolled in vocational schools, uh, they are not funded based on their specific learning needs. They are funded based on a calculation of teacher units that's pegged to a specific salary in a specific area. We believe that a student 
that has autism uh, in one part of the state uh, needs the same resources to be educated as a student with autism in a different part of the state. Uh, Mississippi's funding formula currently does not do that for special needs students. That's one of the reasons why we consider it to be a hybrid. Uh, so there are a number of add-on programs that sit outside of the current funding formula that we believe should be a part of a student-based funding formula focused on specifically student needs. Rebecca Sibilia, CEO of EdBuild, on what her company might recommend when it comes to changing Mississippi's public education formula. House Education Chair Republican John Moore of Brandon tells MPB's Mark Rigsby the current funding model needs to be replaced. Well, I think Edbuild is a good company, a company and they're very competent, and uh, we're excited about them being here to, to help us march down this road of changes in our uh, education funding situation. Now, at this point, uh, they will maybe go into the weeds a little deeper and come back with a recommendation. Uh, the, the presentation today was wonderful. I'm sorry that the sound system was messed up, but uh, she did an excellent job with with overcoming that. And uh, and all of the questions that the committee members, both House and Senate, asked were very good questions. And we actually look forward to the second round of this. And uh, when we come back together and, and look at a, a few of the recommendations that she might be making for us. What is wrong with the MAEP funding formula? Oh, it's been known for several years. It had significant flaws, and I know it It has mutated over the years anyway. Uh, it's not carved in stone. It, it has been amended. It's been changed and, and been altered uh, several times. As a matter of fact, we've changed it a couple of times since I've been chairman already. And we will uh, – it's old, 20 years old, and it needs to be, uh, it needs to be examined. And we want to look at the equity portion of it. We want to look at the needs portion. And the objective of the leadership in the House and the Senate is we want more, a higher percentage of our dollars going to where they're receiving the benefit, and that's in the classroom, and for the students' benefit. Why do you think a student-based formula is better than what we have now? Well, it's more focused on the individual needs of the students. And I, th- I think she was very specific in that, as she pointed out in several, just several general categories, our special needs children, our en- English is, uh, second uh, language learners, and there was another one, the, uh, uh, the at-risk portion of our formula. So while we already have that portion that's already weighted, and it's, that's why she called our, for- our formula a hybrid formula anyway. And uh, wh- one of the issues that, that we want to we want to make sure that the allocation of dollars is divided the way it should be out there, and it's just time for us as leaders to, to look at it and make sure that it's right. Now, whether we actually move forward with any changes, uh, I don't know. That would be a joint effort between uh, between the House and the Senate to actually move forward with a with a, new, a totally new funding situation. But uh, but I do th- I think it's time to look at it. And I know in light of the fact that this summer we've had these had our budget uh, working groups all summer, it, it kind of falls right in place. But since this is the biggest single allocation of money in in the state, we don't want to leave it over in the corner and not look at it. So. Ed Build pointed out that Mississippi spends uh, quite a considerable amount of money more per student than any other state in the southeast. Do you think that the state's obligation is too high? No. I, what you heard her say was our base student cost. 
Now, see what the other states do. They have the base student cost, and then on top of that, they have the they have the the added weights on the formula. Now, see, they put their base student cost at a lower rate, a lower level, and then they put a lot of emphasis on the weights, like uh, the demographics and uh, the, whether there's a lot of slow readers. There's a thousand different weights that you can, and then. At the end of the day, our funding is right in line. We're probably a little below the southeastern average in total, but we're spending a lot of money, and we want to make sure it's actually doing the, the, what we need it to do. MPB's Mark Rigsby with State Representative John Moore. Democratic Senator Hob Bryan of Amory couldn't disagree more. He tells Mark Rigsby the current MAEP formula could work if legislators would fund it. This is a complete distraction. Simply put, the school districts in the state of Mississippi do not have the money they need with which to educate children. There's a law on the books that requires the legislature to fund the existing formula. The legislative leadership has made a political decision not to fund the existing formula. Instead, they're sending billions of dollars, billions of dollars, for silliness such as reimbursing shopping center developers for putting shopping centers in Madison County and DeSoto County, for tax cuts for out-of-state corporations, for everything in the world other than complying with the law and funding public education. This is a distraction. What do you think the true meaning and intentions of this meeting going forward will be? Well, the, the, the people from New Jersey, and we still don't know who's paying the salary for these people, The people from New Jersey have visited Mississippi. They're going to go back to New Jersey and sit there for two months and then come back and and provide a formula to the people in Mississippi. The MAEP was developed over years with everyone sitting around a table and discussing it. Superintendents, members of the public, members of the Department of Education, it was developed over years to make sure that we knew what we were doing and that we had a formula that worked for Mississippi. The notion that with just limited discussion, except with staffers for the lieutenant governor and the speaker, that these individuals from New Jersey can come down here and a couple of months impose upon us a formula is just misguided. They're obviously driven by ideology, not by anything peculiar to Mississippi. Did you hear anything positive out of this meeting today? I think anyone who's concerned about the future of public education in Mississippi should absolutely be terrified. This process is a distraction. It's rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, whatever metaphor you want. The problem is not the formula. There's yet to be any serious discussion of a flaw with the existing formula. The the problem is we are sending insufficient funds to the local school districts to operate the, the, the types of schools the children of this state want and need and by law are entitled to. Give me your prediction. What will happen next? Uh, There's going ultimately to be a piece of legislation uh, which will be written in secret, and uh, we'll have a conference committee report which the lieutenant governor and the speaker will write. It will appear late in the session, and the members of the legislature will ratify it. They will not understand what they're voting on, and it will be all over and done with. But basically, this is an attempt to move in the direction of vouchers, 
because the lieutenant governor and the speaker and their funders and the people that are driving this fundamentally believe in vouchers. There's no meaningful reason to use this catchphrase, student-based formula, unless you wish to assign a specific dollar amount to each student, and then the student can take that specific dollar amount over to the private school. Ultimately, this is a move toward vouchers because that's what they believe in. They fundamentally do not believe in public schools. What do you plan to do about it? Well, the hope is that the people of Mississippi who do believe in public schools and the people in Amory and Tupelo and communities all over this state who care about their public schools will understand what's at stake here and they'll wake up because if everyone goes to sleep, because this is what's getting ready to happen. I've looked at the calendar. Thanksgiving's coming in November this year, and then Christmas is coming in December. And so while these people are in New Jersey doing whatever it is they're going to do up there, people are not going to be paying attention. And then instead of having an open process, instead of having a long period of time to work on a formula that works for Mississippi, they're just going to show up with something from New Jersey. The individuals in this state who care about public education need to speak up and shut this down or at a minimum slow it because we're headed for a disaster for public education. MPB's Mark Rigsby with State Senator Hob Bryan. Ed Build is expected to make a recommendation on recrafting the state's education funding by the end of the year. Up next, agriculture is the number one industry in Mississippi. What does its future look like? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This election year has been unpredictable, and it can be hard to keep track of what's true or not. NPR's election team wades through it all so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to the station every day. Daily at 4 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The farmers and ranchers of Mississippi bring $8 billion a year to the state economy, making agriculture the state's leading industry. But uncertainty is always part of an agricultural economy. Tonight's At Issue on MPB TV examines the state of agriculture in Mississippi. In this clip, Wilson Stribling speaks with John Campbell, Deputy Secretary of Agriculture. He says an uncontrollable variable like weather can make or break farmers. He also addresses the competition the catfish industry faces from foreign imports. We have to be optimistic that we're going to have favorable harvest weather. We can get this crop out of the field, and we do it in a fairly short period of time, and, and hopefully by November... Uh, we'll have a significant portion of it out. So many farmers live and, live and die by what the weather does uh, in a given uh, week or day or year, what have you. Mississippi still ranks number one for catfish production, but how have uh, catfish imports impacted the industry yeah. and the farmers here? So that's a great question. It's certainly an inter- interesting issue and very, very times very complex. Um, we're at about 60% less of the acres uh, catfish acres than we were a decade or so ago, around 40,000 acres. Is that all from uh, the threat, from well, the imports? There, there's, there's you know, you know, multiple factors, price, feed costs, but the imports have had a significant impact on our production here in Mississippi. And, and what you've got is a much, much uh, cheaper product coming into the country, uh, inferior product. Mm-hmm. Our farmers are inspected by USDA, and our foreign imports are inspected by USDA and held to the same standards as American fish. 
uh, American catfish. So we feel like, again, it's consumer protection. You want safe, affordable food supply for your family. Um, and again, we think it's only fair that foreign imports should follow the same standards as, as a Mississippi or American producer. You can watch tonight's episode of At Issue on MPB TV at 7.30. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Gestalt Gardner. Next stop, Mississippi and Southern Remedy for Women. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio. Robin Young, like an armadillo covered with steel plates. That's the way Brian Denton described the ISIS car bomb that lumbered toward the Iraqi troops he was with this week near Mosul. There was no time to get away. The car exploded, wounding Denton and some of the Iraqis. We'll speak with him next time, here and now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This election year has been unpredictable. It can be hard to keep track of what's true and what's not. But NPR's election team wades through it all so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to this station every day. 